This is an Equity Bates Media podcast. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Before we get into today's episode, we would like to acknowledge and pay respects to the Wandry people of the Kulin Nation who are the traditional owners of this land. We pay our deepest respects to the elders past and present and to the next generation who we hope to create a different future for. The best career advice that you are not getting is to invest. Hello and welcome to Your Income Company, a podcast that makes investing accessible for everyone. I'm Maddie Guest and as always, I'm in some very good company with my co-host, Sophie Dicker. Hello, Mads. How are you today? I'm good. How are you? I'm feeling a bit tired. I was, I've been told by TikTok that you should just respond to the question, how are you, with ah, how you actually are okay. feeling. So I'm going to tell you I'm a bit tired today. Yep. Are you actually good? Do you feel actually good? Not really. Okay. <laughs> what, are you, what, are your, what are your feels then? Uh, just a bit flat. Okay. Should we, do you need to talk about it in this forum? No, it's all good. Okay. <laughs> and producer Sash, how are you feeling? Hey, what are you spraying? Well, I just... This. <laughs> what is going on in this chat? <laughs> I just thought it smelled a bit, so I put this room oh. spray. <laughs> I thought you were going to say it was like calming to make us feel better or but something. But it is calming it at is. the same it time. And great. it also like covers up the slight like shoe smell from the gym. Oh. So it's all good. <laughs> Love the it. gym is you, by the way, just yeah. to clarify for all those wondering. <laughs> Sophie and I don't smell. <laughs> yeah, I went to the gym. So that's why in answer to your question, I'm fine because I think I've got all the happy um, – exercise endorphins nice. going on yeah before we got into today's episode I wanted to have a little chat about something I saw on my email the other day which was Dion Lee is um bringing out NFT collection clothes to be worn in the metaverse what are your thoughts on that it feels a bit early I don't like yeah I, yeah, I don't know. I mean, we're not in the metaverse, so I guess <laughs> don't I don't know. need any Dion Lee clothes. <laughs> the first thing I thought of when I saw it was like how – because Dion Lee is a Melbourne brand for – or Australian brand. Oh, really? They're Australian, Australian. Yeah. For anyone that hasn't heard of them before. And they're quite expensive. The clothing mm. is very expensive. Yep. And so I was wondering – do people in the metaverse see value in it? And then like, oh, how would like they, investment. well, I don't know. How did, how would they price it? Yeah. Like, I, yeah. My next question was like, is it equivalent expensive in the metaverse or is it like you can't afford mm. it in real life, but you can in your, mm. in your avatar? <laughs> Maybe we'll have to track that nice. and then let everyone know what happens. Or if anyone knows, please get in touch and let us know. Anyway. So Maddie, what is today's <laughs> episode about? <laughs> Well, today's episode is all about one of our favourite sessions from FinFest and that was Emma Fisher's session, which was all about risk versus uncertainty and how uncertainty can be your friend. Now, I guess one of the reasons why we really wanted to do this episode actually came off the back of a conversation that I had one with one of my best friends the other day and I was chatting to her. She's recently moved overseas. We were on a call and I was asking her, we were catching up and I said, oh, 
by the way, are you still investing? And she was like one of the biggest, most diligent like investors before she left. She was so into it. She was really fascinated by all of it. It was great. We had lots of good combos. And to time frame that, when was that when she was a diligent uh, investor? Late. So over the last couple of years okay. and moved away early this year. Cool. Yeah. And her response to that was, no, I'm not investing at the moment. And this is like zero shame at all, by the way. It was just a really interesting conversation that it prompted. She was like, I'm not investing at all at the moment because I feel like I've lost so much money and I don't feel confident essentially to do it again until I'm back in the green. Yeah. And it was a mind frame that I could, like it made a lot of sense to me, but it also I was like, oh, like there's so much to unpack here. Yeah, I feel like even I understand that. I feel like I've been struggling a little bit when you look at your portfolio and it's down, but then on the same token, when you go to talks like Emma Fisher, it's like, oh, this is, and I know we've said it a hundred times as well. It's like, it's time of opportunity in times of uncertainty. And I think um, also it's just like luck about when you started investing, Mm. because I know I started investing enough time before a downturn that I, I got enough dividends to kind of what's the word, like cushion me from then going into the red the next um, downturn. I was still, I wasn't making huge amounts of money, but it just like kind of reassured me that the process was working. Yeah, I could kind of go like, oh, I see that the process works because I've had enough dividends. But like if you just started investing and now you've had this slight dip in the market, it must be really hard to keep um, enthused about it. Yeah, and and we had this conversation, Mads, and I said – we said, oh, we can like harper on about this all the time. It's like it's a time of opportunity, time of opportunity. But you and I are speaking about this on a daily basis through like our research and doing this podcast and blah, blah, blah. So I feel like we've really enforced the messages in our head that it's a time of opportunity. But then I guess when I do speak to friends because they're not as engaged and only hearing it, you know, once a week or, you know, less, they're like, oh, i got to hear it again, got to hear it again. Yeah. So today's lesson is <laughs> let's look for opportunity. No. <laughs> so I think to set up the conversation, something that Emma did really beautifully was she, I guess, distinguished between risk and uncertainty. So a couple of quick de- definitions. Risk is the chance of permanent capital impairment, which basically just means you invest in something and it goes to zero. Have you ever had that, by the way? No, like close to, yeah, which same. will be one of my examples <laughs> later. Same. <laughs> but there's still some money in there and technically I haven't lost anything until I've sold, right? Yeah. I've definitely had it with crypto but not with stocks. Interesting. Yeah, okay. Yeah. And then uncertainty on the other hand is? Yeah, so uncertainty is this concept or the idea that you don't know what's going to happen next but – that is part of life. That is part of investing. And that is where we can find the opportunity. Okay. So risk is money going to zero, your risk of losing all your money. And uncertainty is not sure what's happening in the future. Is there an opportunity there? Exactly. Cool. So one example that Emma gave, which I thought was super interesting, just to sort of frame the conversation in terms of stock market movements. Yeah. So she picked the new year 2019 and we had a bit of a laugh about this. She said that 2019 was the last year that nothing happened. I agreed with her, but you were like, so much for me happened in 2019. Well, it's when I quit my job and travelled for like five months. Yeah, so I remember so it being a really good year. Big year. And I was like, I couldn't tell you one thing that happened in 2019. <laughs> but the point was, I guess in 2020 and 2021, there was so much happening on in markets with COVID and things like that whereas who sort of can really tell us what actually happened in the markets in 2019 there were no big 
catastrophic event. Yeah. So she looked at the top 50 companies on the ASX um, in 2019 and their biggest highs and their biggest lows of those top 20 companies. And, you know, ASX, big companies, like generally speaking, they're going to be pretty boring. Like there's no, you know, major tech stocks or anything crazy in there. Yeah, we're talking your banks, your BHPs, your Coles and Woolies. Yeah, there's no rug pulls from crypto. (laughs) Like (laughs) it should be nice and stable. Exactly. So what she told us was the share price of those companies changed by 54% on average in 2019. And so that means like... You know, your BHP, for example, I don't have figures in front of me, but it could have, you know, gone up 54% during the year or dropped 54% during the year, even though it was just a stable, normal in whatever the bunny ears things are, (laughs) normal year. (laughs) You're doing lots of hand movements. (laughs) So (laughs) I think what the example was trying to say is that in the stock market, there's uncertainty and you can use it to your advantage because of the movement. Yeah. That shocked me, that stat. Did that surprise you too as well? Completely. Like I can't believe that, you know, on the ASX, such big stable companies would actually move that much with, without sort of responding to anything that is, that is that memorable even a few years later. So what her main lesson was then, I guess, for the chat was we want uncertainty because it can give us opportunity. So she gave us four different lessons that we can minimise our risk So we don't want the risk, but we want the uncertainty. And these four ways to minimise your risk will help you, I guess, find that opportunity in the stock market. Exactly. And that is what we're going to go through today. Numero uno. (laughs) Number one. Focus on financial strength. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, guys. I have to actually, I'm just going to recap this really quickly because I found it fascinating and I was literally walking around my office at work today telling all of my friends about this and they found it fascinating too. You sound like such a fun work colleague, (laughs) Maddie. (laughs) So Emma's number one rule or number one takeaway that she wanted us to have from this session is don't buy companies that are loss making have to buy companies that turn a profit. And when we say turn a profit, that means we're simple math. We're saying that the amount that they're bringing in is more than the amount that they're spending. Mm. Exactly. To introduce this concept, which is the birds without wings portfolio. And it's basically the idea behind it is that the companies are the equivalents of birds without wings or AKA lacking the means to fly. So basically what it was is a broker picked or created this portfolio and bought all of the loss-making companies on the ASX from the year 2000. And he said, basically the outcome is if you invested $100 in this portfolio in the year 2000, it would be worth 24 cents today. Massive loss, massive loss. But if you invested in the A300 in the index, your $100 would be worth almost $600 today. And I think the point that I really took away from this is that the volatility and the risk in loss-making companies is so high because there are factors that happen around the world around us. And, you know, the year 2000, it's a long 20-year period, but Right now, for example, interest rates are so high, inflation is going up. And if you've got a company that's not actually making money and they're having to use a lot of debt to finance their activities, like you don't know what's going to happen with that company. And so a lot of them do go bankrupt or insolvent. But if you're making money, you have enough to kind of buffer through these hard periods. Totally. Did you guys look at your portfolios after this? Because of course, this is just Emma saying like, this is a way to minimize, not like you shouldn't be buying loss making companies. These are just tools, right? Mm, Yeah. Did it make you go back and look at your portfolios about um, whether you had 
too many loss making companies in there. I mean, we're no stranger to the fact that I bought like <laughs> so many tech stocks <laughs> during 2020. So yeah, hello, I'm in the red. But I also know that it's just how the market is at the moment. And if you've got your conviction with your stock, then great. And if you don't, you know, when it gets, you know, with a couple of mine, when it gets back to zero, it's something I want to sell. Yeah. Well, okay. Emma did say that there are discrete periods of time in which the Birds Without Wings portfolio actually performed super well. It was up 60% from the 12 months when the markets bottomed in 2020. So there are periods in which loss making companies can perform really well. It's just sort of over the long term, I guess they're considered more high risk. Yeah. Mm. Is there any companies, Mads, that you have in your portfolio that aren't making any money at the moment? Yeah, a loss making. Yeah, I mean, listeners will know that I've invested in Zip, and that is still. I think I checked this morning. So Zip actually, this was quite shocking to me. I looked it up earlier. They made a, they reported a one billion dollar loss, like not Whoa. not just loss making, <laughs> lost a billion dollars. Yeah, it's a lot. <laughs> um, but my Zip shares are down eighty percent. Yeah, yeah, makes sense. But yeah. uh, as we said, it's not always that they're always going to be at a loss. Sometimes mm-hmm. companies are loss making in their startup phases because they're spending so much money on investment and growth. So it's just understanding why they're making a loss. Like a good example actually is my points bet shares. They're making a loss, but they have been doing crazy expansion in the US. So they're spending a lot of money trying to grasp that market because they're big in Australia, but not the US. So, you know, the reasoning behind the loss, it can make it a little bit, you know, easier to digest. Yeah, I guess it can just be something to prompt to further research. So lesson number one, focus on financial strength. Make sure your company is making money. <laughs> lesson number numero due. <laughs> Should we just change languages? Yeah, we're Spanish now, Italian. Nice. Oh. We're, we're bilingual here. Yeah. Trilingual. Trilingual. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Forgot about English. <laughs> This lesson is don't overpay. So not only can you permanently lose your money by it going to zero, by the stock turning, like going completely out of business. Bust. Bust. Bankrupt. (laughs) Bankrupt. Thank you, Sash. That was the word I was looking for. But you can also, I guess, lose your money if you buy the share at a price that it never returns to. You pay too much. Mm. So is that like... When you die, like what? <laughs> Wait, what? Well, because if it never returns, like you know, you could hold on to the stock till you're sixty years old, and then seventy, well, and then yeah, 80, I guess and then- like it's when you decide to sell your shares eventually, <laughs> or when you die. Buy and hold. <laughs> Buy and hold forever. <laughs> To be honest, I would love to rehash what Emma said in this bit, but honestly, she did it so eloquently that I think it's just best that we put a snippet in of the live recording itself and you guys can hear it from her directly. So, Sash, we'll pop that in now. AKA, she will describe it much better than we do. (laughs) So if we think about that initial definition of risk as permanent capital impairment, i.e. you don't get your money back, that can happen because the equity is worthless, like the painful experience I had. Uh, or it could happen because you just never see the share price that you paid for the shares again. So this risk is really elevated at certain times in the market. And I'd argue probably a year ago, this risk of overpaying across the board was quite elevated. And so, you know, these were good companies, um, but they were swept up in a bit of a mania. Um, The good news is, when the flip side of that is, when markets are falling and everyone's really, really pessimistic, you've got a much better chance over the long term of making good money. You know, if you read the headlines, you'll convince yourself not to invest. 
you'll convince yourself that you've figured out that the global financial system's about to go down the gurgler and you're better off sitting on the sidelines. But the reality is, if you're, a, you know, if you're, if you're planning on investing for decades, just buy the companies you like and don't worry about too much about whether or not you're going to be able to pick the bottom. You won't be able to pick the bottom. I won't be able to pick the bottom. None of us will. But I think right now there are some good valuations available uh, in the ASX. I think there are a lot of companies that you're going to make good money on a three to five year view, probably very good money on a 10 year view because of the pessimism that's everywhere uh, in the markets. So things could get worse in the short term. You know, as long as you don't need the money back, that's what, that's the power of personal investing is you, know, you don't have to pick the bottom. You can just sort of set and forget. And I think that the valuation opportunities right now, uh, you know, across the board sort of let us avoid um, the risk of overpaying. I just love hearing Emma talk. She's so compelling and she's just got, every time I hear her, I just want to go and research all these businesses and, and be like her. <laughs> is, that, is that lame? <laughs> so she was saying that... Um, over the past couple of years, you know, prices have been rising, et cetera. But she also said what we spoke about at the beginning is that there is a lot of mispricing in the market, even in a normal, inverted commas, 2019 type of year. So what's your take on when she says don't overpay for a company? Yeah, I always, like, sometimes to be honest, I feel a bit disheartened when people tell me that because I'm like, how am I really going to know what the right price is? I feel like sometimes with investing, I really rely on the fact that I am doing it for the long term and I'm relying on the fact that the share price is going to go up, but I don't actually know what the right price is, so to say. One thing I think I took away from the talk is that what we said at the beginning is that the market does misprice a lot. So sometimes it's just being patient and watching for a little while. For example, I have a good friend who was uh, watching REA Group mm -hmm. and she had a price target on it. I think it was something like a hundred bucks per share. And it was sitting at, I don't, these figures could be wrong, but it was sitting at say like 110, she saw it go to 104, then to 115. It was moving, jumping around a bit. And eventually after four months of watching it, it got to her price target of 100. And that was just the number she set that she'd be comfortable mm -hmm. buying in. So I think when Emma says don't overpay, what I took from it was prices move a lot. If you think something's super expensive, if it's at that peak, mm -hmm. You know, watch it for a couple of months. If it keeps going up and up and you still want to buy in, amazing. But yeah. it might go down. I guess it's kind of like when you buy clothes and you might have your eye on a blazer or on a new dress that you know will be a great investment for work, but you know that eventually it will come on sale. You know, things that in the market at the moment are very volatile. So maybe it is kind of about waiting for it to cool off a little bit and then buying in then. Are you someone who's very good at waiting for sales, Maddie? No. <laughs> well, so I guess a bit like literally in my head, I'm like, how can I relate this back to my dollar cost averaging strategy? <laughs> but I think I am someone, I don't shop very often, but I, so I buy a few pieces, but when I find something I like, I do pull the trigger. Yeah, I'm terrible at when I just I do have the 24 hour rule that like I'm not allowed to buy it then and then I have to sleep on it. Yeah. Um, and I try to do the same. I just think it's so much of the way that you shop is like your psychology with money and spending is so connected because the way that I shop with shares is the same way that I shop with everything else. Well, maybe that's a good way to summarize it then with the don't overpay is have your 24 hour rule, but your 24 hours could maybe be a bit more extended period and it's just, I think what she was saying is she's been in this game for a very long time and you do see the market go up and down. It's not always going to be a trajectory upwards. So 
just what just be aware of it yeah I guess taking a step back from the first point that you start looking at a stock and researching it maybe take that extra step to note the price and actually sort of monitor how it does track and respond to different things in the market and that can sort of be encapsulated in the whole process so lesson two is so lesson two is do not overpay if you can (laughs) (laughs) and know how (laughs) we are going to take a quick break for our sponsors but we'll be right back to hear the final two lessons from emma how would you like to look five years younger in a clinical study people that had volume added with juvederm voluma xc in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volur XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Okay, let's do French. Numero trois. Trois. I'm going to offend some people because that just sounded shocking. How do you, is that right? Look, French really is not my strong suit. Yeah, I did French in high school, but I was a terrible student. It's lesson number three. Okay, (laughs) great. Lesson number three is buy quality businesses. What do you mean by quality businesses? So quality businesses is when competitors aren't able to come in and eat the profit pool. In other words, like they have, there are barriers to entry. They have a bit of an economic moat is I guess what we've talked about yeah, in the I, past. I love the idea of an economic moat because <laughs> my analogy is you, you think of a genuine castle with water around it with alligators and that's the moat and your competitor companies are trying to get across but they can't because of the moat with the alligators and looking for a company that's really isolated you know (laughs) alligators in my mind have always been mythical creatures are they real yeah i think they're more u.s based yeah do you know know unicorns are actually real no they're not maddie i'm pretty sure they exist No, are you no, joking? No. Are you tired? Ty- you are tired. Wrong. Okay. <laughs> but um, I have just Googled it and it says, getting real about unicorns, it may come as a shock, but unicorns don't exist. Sorry. Yeah, I don't know who you've been speaking with, but <laughs> maybe cut them out of your life. No, I'm joking. <laughs> Five-year-old Sasha would have been really happy if unicorns were real. Anyway, we digress. <laughs> <laughs> um, quality. I always get confused about quality as a concept because I think I have a real – personal bias that as soon as I decide I like something it must be quality 
how do you actually find out what's quality? Well, I guess this rule is kind of in contention with the previous rule, which is like, don't pay too much. Generally, the businesses that are high quality businesses are the ones that are more expensive. Think about your Apples, your Microsofts, your Alphabets or Google. They are the most, some of the most expensive companies on the stock exchange. But that's where you come in, I guess, with quality. If you look at something like Apple, even though that is an expense, what, I mean, when we say expensive inverted commas, you know, it's above the hundred dollar mark. It's that has continually gone up because people see it as a quality business. And so say for me, I would say, look at Apple, what's quality about Apple, their products, everyone uses them. They've got a system where you have to buy their AirPods, their phone, their Mac for whatever reason, everything's intertwined. And so they've got a great business model that is very sticky for their customers. So like bring back to your point, economic moat, you've got sticky customers. Yeah. Other ones are like the network effect. So you think about products that I guess are more valuable as the number of users increase. So for example, Google, like we're not all just going to stop using Google one day or, you know, Airbnb, people list their homes on Airbnb. People start, it's a network. Start people, a network start people traveling to that area. Other businesses get money from that. Airbnb has become a verb. That's what you do. You, it's no longer like a brand name. It, it's amazing how powerful that brand has become in travel. So a couple of things that Emma brought into her speech about quality businesses were finding like good businesses in an unloved sector, which I thought was quite interesting because sometimes people just ignore sectors completely. E.g. like let's say mining, you know, you might be like I prefer to invest in ESG assets, but then it might mean that you just completely ignore looking into if there's a good business in that sector. So one of her points was, Look for businesses that are doing things that align to your values or have good business models, but they're just unloved because it might be underpriced because no one's looking there. Yeah. Another tip was find under the radar businesses. So Emma talked about the company PWR, which she actually brought up on the episode that she did with us right back at the start of your own good company. I know, like episode six, go listen. (laughs) (laughs) Or don't. Yeah, this was a great story about PWR, which is a Queensland business that do all the cooling systems for the F1 cars. So crazy to think that a little Aussie business is literally like, for any Drive to Survive fans out there, you'll know how big of a business this is. So what she was saying was like, if they're... Drive to Survive, sorry, Formula One fans, it's like the whole sport is a Netflix series. That was so offensive. But it is kind of. (laughs) She was saying that, you know, if this business out of... Queensland, which, you know, we're an island, we're isolated, whatever, (laughs) is supplying all these global companies and they must be doing something right. And it's great in the sense of under the radar because what, like Porsche IPO'd the other month, um, F1, the publicity company is listed. Like there's so many other companies in F1 that you could go and buy, but it's really interesting how she's found like this specific niche. Yeah, it's such a little niche, little Queenslander. I'm from Queensland. Let's not go off the rails again. (laughs) So lesson number three is buy quality businesses. And I think this leads us nicely into lesson, sorry, so I felt you do it. (laughs) What language can I do? Um, I mean, we we haven't done English. Lesson number four. (laughs) Lesson number four, which is management matters. Yes. And I was going to say something about PWR just linking back is that it's a founder led business. And what Emma says is that if you've got founders running the business, they've got skin in the game, they're wanting to see it grow, you know, for their own, pretty much for their own personal gain. So looking for who's running the business doesn't always have to be a founder, 
but what they're doing, how they're involved, what they care about, their values. I think um, we've said before one of the places we go to research is LinkedIn. Yeah, or Glassdoor. Yeah. See what the employees say about yeah. the leaders. Oh, that's such a good one. And most brokerage apps too, like if you own your shares, like they'll issue reports when someone inside the company is like buying a lot of shares or selling a lot of shares. So you can often like see if something's changing because someone's just suddenly like selling thousands and thousands of shares on the market. Yeah, like, okay, example, Maddie owns 50% of your own good company. (laughs) And you guys see on the brokerage app that she sells 49 shares to who knows. Not sure. I'd be getting worried. I'd be but getting you'd get worried for a phone yeah. call. Yeah, because I'd be like, like you'd be like, wait, Maddie and Sophie are breaking up. There's some serious turmoil in the business. There is infighting. <laughs> <laughs> but not only does it conceptually make sense, Emma's fund actually screened the market for businesses that had over ten years of listed history that were run still by the original founders, mm-hmm. and the performance of that index or that group of companies is up eleven fold since two thousand and eight, whereas the normal index or ASX companies is up twofold so the facts say that founder-led businesses actually lead to I guess excess higher higher returns better returns (laughs) better (laughs) returns so lesson number four is the people who run your business actually make a difference in the stock price (laughs) I mean it makes so much sense just even on like a personal level like think of the entrepreneurs you know in your life versus like there's always workaholics who you're friends with who like give their all to bit to the companies they work for, but the people who run their own businesses, like no one works harder than them. I would say on average, I'm probably <laughs> offending people there. Okay, flex mommy if you're listening. <laughs> seem like a serious worker. <laughs> so I think in summary, you know, uncertainty, although it can make us nervous and although in times like this, it can be really hard to look at your portfolio, see all of that red and still have that conviction and confidence to keep investing, you know, Emma really talked about leaning into that fear. And of course, as long as it doesn't make you too uncomfortable, but equipping yourself with the facts and knowing that when you have long-term on your side, uncertainty can create opportunity. A hundred percent. And like, I know we've harped on about it, but like, even I'm looking at my portfolio being like, come on, look at that dip. Like, what are the businesses? Like I'm readjusting, I'm moving away from the companies that aren't making so much money at the moment, looking towards good businesses, we can all do it together. <laughs> we can do it. Mads, Not financial advice. <laughs> I think that leads us nicely to recommendations. Let's do it. What's your recommendation this week? I have actually a bit of an internal rec for you this week, Soph. I am recommending an episode of The Dive by our very own Sasha Kelly. Hello. Hello. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Sash did an episode called The Business of Taylor Swift. Yes. was an awesome episode. Sash, give us a quick... 10 second rundown on oh what my the episode gosh. Can about. I play my theme music while I do it? <laughs> um, <laughs> I'll cut that. Um, yeah, so essentially um, Taylor Swift, this is her 10th album, but it's only the fourth that she owns all the masters to. And I know that there's been a lot of conversation about why she's re-recording her masters, um, but I did a music degree and I'm really fascinated by the business of musicians. And so we just kind of pulled all that copyright ideas apart and tried to really get to the nuts and bolts of why 
someone would want to do that and what the implications are and also like why it's something that I think <laughs> Go we should listen to the episode. <laughs> respect Taylor for well, the end. <laughs> I am a big fan of the dive and Sash, this was one of my favourite episodes. I know you're a big Taylor Swift fan. I am definitely a big Taylor Swift fan. So are you? No. Oh. Not. Oh. Controversy. Get out. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like everyone either is and they love her or they're not. And I, mean, I don't, no offence, I don't like her music at all. I really hate her music. <laughs> okay. Like, I'm sorry, I'm not, that's not, that's not meant to be offensive, it's just not the music I'm yep, into. Yeah, fair, agree to disagree. Like, you would hate my music. <laughs> what What recommendation do you have for us? Let's move on before things get too heated. This is really random, right, so I'm so myself. sorry. But this podcast called Help, I'm a Parent. <laughs> What? And it's hey, we have parents listening. Oh, and true. I have, okay, I'm not a parent. Maybe just our parents. I don't I'm know. not a parent and I'm not pregnant. But um, my favourite Insta- Insta- Instagram couple, um, his name's Proudlock and oh, Emma Ollie. Lou. Ollie oh, Proudlock and yeah. Emma Lou. Yeah, I love them. They have Made a pod- Chelsea. Yeah. Well, sh- yeah. I, he was on Made in Chelsea, but I fell in love with them after, like, after that, they've got cool stuff, cool house. Anyway, um, anyway, they've started a podcast about their baby Bonnie, and it's just so has no relevance to me. But because I love them so much, yeah. it's just the way they talk is so funny. Anyway, if you need something so random to dice up your day, well, help I'm a parent. Coming up with a follow up rec, which is similar vein, um, made in Chelsea, Jamie Lang and Habs. Oh um, uh, yeah, the they married. have a podcast, The Newlyweds, and it's. Hilarious. It's all over my TikTok and I love it. I've got into that lately as well. So funny. Yeah. I didn't want to, but I've fallen down the rabbit hole. (laughs) I think we should leave things there because we've been (laughs) chatting for a long time. If you have any recommendations, jump into our Facebook group at YIGC Investing Podcast Discussion Group. I'm just going to take it away with all of it because I think Sue's checked out. (laughs) Join us on Instagram, YIGC Podcast. We love chatting to you in our DMs. And also just a call out, we have been getting quite a few DMs recently. We know, unfortunately, there are a lot of accounts imitating us we will never message you we will respond to your messages and we love chatting with you but we will never message you outright and we definitely won't give you crypto advice so if you're getting that it's not us please block and report we're trying and if you loved this episode please share with a friend and we'll hear from you you'll hear from us next week catch you then bye you have been listening to an Equitymates Media production. In the spirit of reconciliation, Equitymates Media acknowledges the traditional custodians of country throughout Australia and their connections to land, sea and community. We pay our respects to their elders past and present and extend that respect to all Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander peoples today. This podcast is intended for education and entertainment purposes. Any advice is general advice only and has not taken into account your personal financial circumstances, needs or objectives. Before acting on general advice, you should consider if it is relevant to your needs and read the relevant product disclosure statement. And if you're unsure, please speak to a financial professional. The hosts of this podcast and their guests may have positions in the companies mentioned. Equitymates Media operates under an Australian Financial Services Licence 540697. Small details are big surfaces. Tight corners are odd shapes. Flat, rounded, textured or tall. Whatever your next project, there's a spray paint pattern that's just right. Because Rust-Oleum's new Custom Spray 5-in-1 gives you control with five different spray patterns. So you can tackle nooks, crannies, edges, and curves without worrying about drips, runs, uneven coverage, or anything else. Custom Spray 5-in-1. Only from Rust-Oleum. Hi, this is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win. And support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ 
the official ETF of the NCAA. Invesco QQQ is proud to sponsor this episode and even prouder to provide access to innovation for the last 25 years. Basketball has had innovations over the years, too. We're seeing the game played in new ways every day. Learn more at Invesco.com slash QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc. Want flexibility? Take yoga. Want flexibility with your health insurance? Check out United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly medical, dental, and vision coverage that may be right for you. More at UH1.com. 